By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. I'm pretty sure that most of us as Christians know well this passage in Galatians 5 on the fruit of the Spirit. Most people understand that when we hear Paul talk about fruit of the Spirit or when we hear Jesus talk about fruit uh, being, being born in our lives that it means these kinds of characteristics. Uh, it means uh, these traits, these things that come forth in our life uh, by virtue of the Holy Spirit. They are the ways that we're known as Christians. They're, they're kind of like they're the measure of our spiritual life. They, they, they show others that we are connected to God and that the fruit within us or the spirit within us is, is producing this kind of good fruit in the world. So we understand uh, this basic idea that we connect to God uh, through the Holy Spirit, that we're open to the work of the Spirit, and then in our lives will come forth things like love and peace and patience and self-control and on and on and on. But here's the thing. I think that 2,000 years ago, people would have automatically understood this imagery and, and seen what Paul and Jesus are saying in ways that is much more difficult for us today. You go back 2,000 years, it was an agricultural society. Everybody lived close to the land. Everybody understood what it took to produce crops or fruit. Not true today. I mean, I was thinking about how many people in our world live in cities now, right? We're very urban, not so agricultural, and some of you grew up on farms, I get that, but there are so many urban people, people who live in the urban core, who their only knowledge of fruit is going over to the supermarket, taking a plastic bag, throwing in some apples, going to the counter, paying for it, and now they have fruit. It's a very transactional kind of understanding. I give my money, I get the fruit. I give this and now it's mine. And worse than that is how many people today are like, oh, I need some apples. They go online, some unseen hand drops it at their door. Ta-da, fruit! Right? So, so, so many people today are disconnected from that whole process that it takes to bear good fruit. We turn it into some kind of transaction. If I say I believe in Jesus, woof, fruit. If I say, Jesus, give me fruit, fruit. All I have to do is like pay my little bit and out comes all the fruit. But the truth is, you go back 
to when Paul would have been saying this about the fruit of the Spirit, he understood that the tree, that the ground that the tree is planted in, that the sun that is going to bring forth the fruit, that, the, that the, the rain that comes from the clouds, all of this is given by God and there is no fruit unless you are connected to God. The tree needs God to produce any fruit. Vines, strawberry vines, whatever. I guess fruit comes on vines and trees. But in any case, without the giver of the vine, the tree, the earth, the, the, the rain, the sun, there is no fruit. But secondly, without the effort of the one who wants the fruit to come forth, there will be a bad harvest. Right? I mean, how many orchard or vineyard owners are going to say, uh, open the door in the morning and go, I believe in you, orchard, and close the door and go back to bed? What kind of harvest are they going to? You can't just believe in the crop. You've got to get out there and till the soil. You've got to get out there and, and uh, take out the weeds. You've got to get out there and prune back. The, you've got to get out there at the right time and harvest so a new, another crop can come forth. You've got to get up at four in the morning. You can't just tell the crop, I believe in you, and be done with it. You see, early Christians, when they heard this, would have understand that you got to participate in the process of bearing good fruit. If you don't do your part, God's not going to bring forth the fruit without you. And that's why we, as Christians, have certain practices that allow us to participate with God, that allow us to open ourselves to God's spirit so that the good fruit can come forth in our lives. We come to worship because being together and placing our, ourselves before God gives us the opportunity to be open to the spirit. We read the Bible. We go to Bible studies because we need to learn more. You know, a farmer... Year by year, they get smarter. They study more. They learn more. They can apply more. They can bring forth more fruit. That's why we go to Bible studies. We serve the community because we believe works of mercy open us to the Holy Spirit and to the work of God in us. We do things like women's retreat so that we might cultivate the Spirit in ourselves and in others. You know, it's very clear in this imagery that Paul and Jesus uses. It says, if you don't participate in the process, you will not bear the fruit that I offer to you now. How important that is. Not just to believe in the fruit, but to actually open ourselves to the Spirit so that the fruit can be harvested in us and through us. Now, there's another very interesting thing, though, when, when we attend specifically to this letter to the Galatians. And I want to say, I think Paul, in chapter 5 in Galatians, is actually talking about fruit, not 
so much in the lives of individual believers, but that he's saying that you, as the body of Christ, planted in a place, in this case, Galatia, you people should in your church be bringing forth fruit of the Spirit. Your corporate life together should have these fruit of love and patience and peace and joy coming forth from you, not just as individuals, but as the body of Christ. Now, here's the thing. So often people want to read a piece of scripture and think they know what it means. It's okay in our personal devotional lives because I think God will speak to us. But but in a larger sense, we often miss the meaning, I, you know, let me say this. I don't want to get to St. Peter's Gate and have Paul and Jesus meet me there and say, you took me out of context. I want them to say, okay, you were, you were really trying to figure out what I was saying. Now, you missed a little here, but, you know, at least I want to, you know, I don't want to just go, oh, I know what you knew. So when you look at this letter to the Galatians, their problem is this. They are a Christian community, and they've decided they want to go back to requiring the Jewish law as part of their life in Christ. And Paul says to them, listen, he even calls them, you know, you foolish Galatians. It's probably a stronger word than that. But he's like, Jesus fulfilled the law. And now you want to return to the law? Jesus told you there's only one law. That's the law of love. What is the matter with you? Paul is very clear in this letter that if you start with laws, if you start with rules, if you start with do's and don'ts and this and that, you will never arrive at love. Paul is clear that you've got to start with love. And out of love will come, among other things, self-control. Out of love comes peace. Out of love comes joy. Out of love comes all the qualities that Christ would have the church express in the world. So, this is such an important understanding. Um, think about your kids. Now, every little one that we raise, we're going to teach them, do this, don't do that. We're going to try and teach them right from wrong. We're going to try and give them rules because they need them. But I tell you something, if that child grows up and in the midst of being given those rules and those, those laws and do's and don'ts, they haven't been loved, they're going to be bitter, finger-pointing people. The only thing they're going to know is the rules and the, and the do's and don'ts. They're not going to know love. But if you love them, they're going to want to do the things that you explain to them and tell them. They're going to want to be part of doing good. In other words, the bottom line is this, people. You cannot start with rules and morality in a church and expect that to teach people to love. You've got to start with love, and out of that will grow all the ways of right living. 
It's clear. This is really what Paul is getting at. When you start with rules and laws and this and that and I think and you think, when you start doing that, you end up in what Paul calls the works of, of uh, the, the flesh, the works of the flesh, I want to call them the weeds of the world. You get caught up in the weeds of the world. You find yourself stuck in a place where you're finger pointing all the time. Where you're saying, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And what does Jesus say? Take the log out of your own eye first. You can't love if you're too busy judging. So, Paul is very clear in this letter to the Galatians. And it seems to me, if he's talking about the church as a whole, and they're in Galatia, because they're going back to the law, they're busy arguing. They see anger. They see uh, enmity. There's all kinds of hatred and divisions and factions once again rising up because they're insisting on the law. Now, now listen, let me make one thing clear here. The Ten Commandments are not the law. The Ten Commandments are the moral code that says if you want to be in right relationship, if you want to love God and you want to love neighbor, here's what to think about. All the laws of Israel come out of people then saying, yeah, but what if, what if their ox kills mine? Then what should I do? Or what if someone comes running at me with a knife? Can I kill them then? I know it says thou shalt not kill, but would it be okay? And that is where you get all then the laws. They're all about particular circumstances people want to know. But the Ten Commandments are about love. Yesterday and Friday, many of you know that the United Methodists in Oklahoma got together to vote on disaffiliating 29 churches across the state. A uh, few of them were big churches, most of them small rural communities, some you may never have heard of. But in any case, um, it was kind of a very uh, solemn and sad uh, occasion. And, you know, I don't think any, well, nobody said they were happy, though some might have been. But here's the thing. Right now, there are so many churches that, that the fruit that's coming out of them is really weeds. That what we're seeing is anger and arguments and divisions and, and finger-pointing and judgment. I mean, those are the weeds of the world. That's what the world likes to do. And we can't ever forget that the church is both a human institution that gets itself caught up in the weeds, but it is also supposed to be the spiritual body of Christ that puts forth fruit of the spirit that is love and peace and patience and so forth. You know them by their fruit, which is one reason uh, that I still find joy being at the village, right? Uh, 
uh, it doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you personally might be on. It doesn't matter what your politics might be, and you all are di in different places politically. It doesn't matter what you think about this thing or that thing. You all do your very best to put love first. I know I've been preaching for six years, we gotta put love first, but that is the great commandment. That's what Jesus tells us to do. And I thank God for a place like the village where we don't feel like we have to fight and argue, but we can simply do the work of Christ and do our best to love. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That's how you will know that people are following Jesus Christ. And let me say this. It doesn't matter if you have 5,000 people. God doesn't care if those 5,000 are fighting each other all the time. It doesn't matter if you've taken in 100 new people, but they're all bickering and, and creating conflict. It doesn't matter if you have the largest budget, but you can't ever decide what to do or you're spending it all on yourself. Those are not the marks of the church and the spiritual life coming forth because you're connected to the Holy Spirit. The only thing that, that will demonstrate that a church is connected to the living God in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is that love and those other qualities are being born in, in and among those people. That is it. You know, I don't know what the future holds for this congregation, but I can tell you one thing. As long as we are pursuing the one law that Jesus commands, which is the law of love, then we have nothing to worry about. We are connected to the Holy Spirit. We are doing the work we are called to do. And in my mind, that is who we are to be as the body of Christ, the village. There is only... Only one thing that Jesus and Paul and the gospel and God tell us that matters. It's love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.